Hey everyone and welcome back to the It's Good to Talk podcast. We are joined today by Rosie Hunnam and I really hope I have said the second name right. Um, <laughs> so um, Rosie is the founder of Organised Fun, which she'll be going into a lot more in a minute, but it looks about uh, student involvement and um, societies, volunteering and all those kind of things. So we're going to have a chat about that. Um, why that came about, what Rosie's background is going into that, um, how it helps students and everything around it. So how are you doing, Rosie? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Nice. Good. What day is it? Tuesday. Tuesday <laughs> evening. Yes, I've had a nice Tuesday. So yeah, good, it's good. good. I'm good, thanks. How are you? Um, we're, yeah, we're carrying on. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it is interesting when you start to go, you know what, what day is it? Especially because of lockdown, I think a lot of us have just kind of gone, it's just day 360. Um, <laughs> that's kind of how we're thinking about it now, I think, especially yeah. in the UK. So um, so like I say, obviously, you are the founder of Organised Fun. Now, what does that actually mean? So because I know some people may have heard about it and any students that are listening to this may have kind of heard about someone in their university winning something to do with it or having some involvement, but they may not necessarily know what it is altogether. So, okay. Yeah, so we're a bit of a complicated thing to explain. So you'd think after doing this for nearly three years, I would have a really succinct answer, um, but it evolves all the time. So Organised Fun is the home for student opportunities in the UK. So student opportunities are uh, clubs, societies, sports, physical activity, student media, student journalism, student fundraising, student volunteering. So that kind of fun stuff that happens typically through a student union in universities and colleges. Um, and what we exist to do is be the home for the people involved in that. So whether you're a student volunteer who is doing student volunteering for the first time and you're like really new to it, or whether you're a staff professional working in a university or college or student union and you've got years and years of experience in the sector and um, and then sabbatical officers kind of in between that. So the elected representatives who do um, a lot of the kind of more political work in this space. And we set up to be a place for people in this world so in student opportunities because it doesn't exist um it didn't exist before we arrived um but we originally became a thing um about two and a half three years ago and we started out actually just wanting to do consultancy so helping students unions universities colleges to do student opportunities better so to yeah. be better at it and kind of a really simple business model of you pay us we'll come in and help you fix problems and then everything will be nicer and better and more impactful and that kind of thing yeah. um and it was actually i was at a focus group in manchester with some students doing some research with them about four months into starting the business and um we were kind of asking them some questions and one of the students just went oh you just get it and you're not from our union and you get it do people outside of what we do like understand what it is that we do and why we do it and it, at that point it was like the wake-up call for me to go actually no like these people need more than just their union representing them they need kind of a wider body organization yeah. um doing stuff to help them now we're not a representative body we don't do things like elections we don't do kind of representation activities in the same way that a local student union does 
But what we're trying to do is be there for these people, provide information and resources for these people, and also kind of celebratory events um, and opportunities for them to connect with each other. So it's really powerful when a student volunteer from Hull gets to have a chat with a student volunteer from Kent about something that they are both kind of equally passionate about, but when else would they get the opportunity to connect with each other? So we try and create spaces like that too. So, so yeah, that's okay. kind of what we do. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. I mean, obviously the one student thing that everyone's heard of, um, which I have my views on, um, is of course um, the NUS, the National mm -hmm. Union of Students. Mm -hmm. So are you basically the NUS, but actually doing something? <laughs> uh no <laughs> um so i used to work for nus i, I am aware i am aware <laughs> uh, i left nus before i founded organized fun um i took voluntary redundancy from nus um because they were having, were having huge structural changes and my passion has always been student opportunities it's what my whole career my whole working life has been doing student opportunities and if I stayed at NUS, I wouldn't have been able to kind of carry on with that specialism. I would have had to do more generalist support for SUs, for student unions. Um, so I chose to leave without a plan, without kind of, I, I didn't leave and go, I'm going to start a consultancy that's going to become a big organisation for student ops. I just left going, I'll do something. <laughs> uh, I don't know what yet. Um, so yeah i don't have kind of hard feelings about nus i think that they have had to make some really hard decisions uh over the past few years to be able to survive um but yeah they don't do loads of work in the student opportunities space and um that's kind of one of the reasons that there's a bit of a gap in this space which is why we do what we do because we think it's important for people to come together and network and learn and develop and grow in the student opportunity specialism rather than just kind of more generally about student union development which is what nus spend more time doing yeah i mean <laughs> for anyone out there i have um been involved in somewhere or another with uh students unions or politics for a, a while i was president of my student union college which i don't think actually exists under the same name anymore which is worcester college of technology i oh, know well, no it wasn't Kidderminster College. I moved college. Kidderminster College. I was student union president um, before I moved to Worcester College of Technology, and I don't believe it's actually called that anymore. So um, I've been around for for a while. Um, so yes, any any views I have are maybe tainted. Um, but obviously, it's a far more political body, body, and as you say, you're you're not. You don't really do that um, no, sort of thing. We don't do politics really. Yeah. Although we will we will chime in on important political issues. So where they are relevant to student opportunities so for example today we're recording this it's the anniversary of the um murder of george floyd mm -hmm. and um we've spent the last year doing a lot of research and work but we've been doing some work on anti-racist anti-racism in student opportunities so we don't feel like it's our place to comment to like do work wider than our remit but where we can and where it's in our remit we work on it so that's yeah, an example yeah. of where I think that I see that as a huge political issue. We mm. will get involved with that. But in terms of like, uh, like national level student politics, we don't really have much to do with that. And then like, um, we'll only kind of get involved with stuff that's kind of government policy type politics, if it is relevant to societies and sports clubs and student media and student volunteering, because that's, yeah. that's what we know. 
So yes, that's yeah. what we do. Wider politics rather than structural politics, um, which is uh, probably the, the thing for, for some people. So um, obviously you were trying to take the reins and, and help those come together that, that didn't really know um, how they could come together. Like you say, Hull can now communicate with Kent a little bit more or, or wherever you are. Um, I, I went to University of Kent, so I, I stuck that stuck in my head. Um, so obviously there, there, there is that side to it. And I think... Um, Obviously, the thing that people miss a lot with um, students actually during lockdown, students um, when they do activities and things like that, is the mental side, mental health side of it. Um, with uh, with student activities, often, especially those that may suffer from anxiety or um, anything like that, may not be able to really interact much in their classes even let alone anything else um i mean i know i've had classes in the past where i've i've missed one because of um a member of staff mucking up my timetable and then not being able to get back into the class because anxiety is here and it just becomes a circle because the member of staff isn't properly trained in anything doing mental health so it's you know what do you do whereas with um student opportunities and those kind of sides to things it one it doesn't really matter when you get involved if you're getting involved great and also students don't give a shit if you weren't there for the first one we, we don't like as someone who who runs different societies like you're here for you and it's great that you get involved in everything else but it's turn on your light first make sure that you're okay and if it helps you that's that's great so it's not like you're going for a grade like when you're at university everything in your head is like i've got to get this grade. i've got to get i've got to get above um above this for to make that do that whereas societies aren't aren't that they're just have a good time, make sure that, um, you know, you're, you're having some fun and your mental health is going to be better. So do you see yourselves in that realm as well? Because I know you stick it within within opportunities, but do, in your mind, is it kind of something that you feel might come forward? And potentially, obviously, you have um, like you have I've got to remember the actual words. Oh, God, what is the acronym? Mm, awards. Oh, Your the awards. NSK, the National Society Volunteering <laughs> Awards, yeah. Really should be able to remember them. So the uh, the NSVAs, um, is it something that you might think in the future, oh, we'll look specifically at something to do with um, someone that's um, that's worked within a mental health mm -hmm. arena, because that, that does work with things. I mean, obviously there are two or three different awards that I think probably overlap that at the moment. They, they each take a bit of that, but it might be something you go into in the future. So is it something you feel that you're in the field of already, but just without the title? Yeah, definitely. So one of the things that I'm like sick of standing on my soapbox about is the value and impact of student opportunities. And I think you've kind of summed up part of that already by talking about you know it's not graded you can just get involved and then the benefits of it are huge and i see the benefit of a student just having a really nice afternoon doing something they care about just as important as someone developing like really clear employability skills so that like eve both of those are just as important to me and to us as an organization um but the the kind of wider impact and benefit of student opportunities isn't just like known across the UK, across the world even. It's like, I think when you're in it and when you see it and when you're working within it or volunteering within it, you you know that, but it's not kind of hard evidence very well. So that's something we are kind of thinking about and working on is helping to tell that story and making 
making the benefit whether that's a mental health benefit or otherwise really explicitly clear and just understood particularly at a kind of decision making level so university leadership college leadership government like big sector bodies they just need to know that student opportunities is valuable important impactful changes people's lives and has all these wonderful benefits so yes definitely like the kind of the mental health benefits of student opportunities are like are vast there's been tons of research um about kind of mental health and students particularly over the past few years mm-hmm. um uh the one that kind of is particularly pertinent is one by wonky who are a um, he policy blog and they did some research about three four years ago called only the lonely and they looked at loneliness and students and they made a clear direct correlation between students who get involved in activities so societies sports clubs but they also included kind of representation activities there too and day and night events so students who kind of do stuff and get involved in stuff are less lonely and mm. that's really important so that was a kind of a really clear one so yeah we're definitely kind of in that mental health space you reference the national societies and volunteering awards and there's a, a there's a kind of more explicit award the well-being award which looks at physical and mental well-being um has some wonderful nominations in that category re- particularly this year like when we put out the nominations i was I wouldn't tell this to anybody before, but I can talk about it now that it's not true. But before I was kind of like, oh, we know that the COVID-19 pandemic has decimated student opportunities because as much as we all, you know, students now are like net natives, they're all really comfortable being online, but it's really, really boring doing everything online all day and then going, oh, I've had lectures all day. And then I've been writing my essay on my computer and now I'm going to join a society social online. Yeah. And some societies can't can't function online. No, like they physically these are can't. the ones that can. Yeah. Mm. And so and then so university sport and college sport just hasn't happened. And yeah. we all know how useful kind of moving your body is for mental health. Mm. So we knew that COVID-19 and the pandemic and all of the effects of like lockdowns, etc., have like decimated ops opportunities. But um when we put the um, National Societies and Volunteering Awards nominations out for 2021 back in February, I was sort of sitting there going, oh, I hope we get some good ones. And and I, I was expecting we would get less nominations and I was expecting that they'd all be quite samey. And I was expecting that lots of them would be a bit rubbish because they have, students haven't been able to do the cool and interesting stuff that they were planning to do. Yeah. Now, I'm really happy that I was wrong. Um, and obviously there was some where you were like, yeah, all right, another quiz. Although a quiz did come as a runner up in one of the categories because it was a very good quiz uh, from Lancaster College, uh, Lancaster University County College, which is one of their halls of residence. Um, they did a huge quiz. Um, but the stuff was amazing. Like the way that people had adapted and been able to do stuff um, because of the pandemic, not just kind of having to go oh well we can't operate in our same way so we're just not going to and obviously we're getting the kind of creme de la creme as these nominations we're not getting we're not seeing the picture of all of the stuff that hasn't been able to happen because they wouldn't put a nomination in for going Mm. oh well we had great ideas but we did nothing (laughs) um yeah but there were so many good examples of 
students coming together because they saw that there was a huge need for those connections to still take place and for people to have fun and for people to learn together and for people to feel supported by their peers and then they organized stuff and made stuff happen and new stuff not just kind of committees and volunteering projects that had already existed there was loads of innovation and loads of kind of fairly simple stuff but simple stuff done really well that was really impressive so um i'm really keen to we like as an organization we want to make sure that like that great stuff is celebrated so hence we do the nsvas um but also kind of sharing some of the learning from that and helping to make sure that when we go kind of back to campuses in september that there's lots of really good ways of helping students to connect with each other and to not feel lonely and to do the stuff that they care about and for some people that means that actually being online is better and that's a good thing that's come out of the pandemic but for some it's just they just need to be in a room with some other people doing something that they enjoy doing and and that has to happen yeah i mean i I mean this um as i said to you before we we turned or pressed record um this podcast itself came out of the pandemic which was originally until I I made it independent because of my own mental health (laughs) Um, this was originally um, to do with student minds this was um, a student minds podcast which is why um, it it used to have a slightly different format and it's changed a lot now I mean and it's amazing um, what you can get as you say it's amazing we can get out of um, students um, interactions and things like that I mean um, we, we talked about at the beginning with the fact that uh, both the videos I did with Call Me Chris from TikTok were whilst this was a student um, uh, activity. So this was a university podcast. Mm. And um, Call Me Chris has like 35 million followers on, on TikTok. She's huge. Well, and I think that's that's something that people... I, that um, before, so. <laughs> <laughs> I, I maybe have 199 of them and probably because I did a thing with Call Me Chris. Yeah, um, my, but... my stepdaughter told me in, in no unclear circumstance that I am not allowed to start making TikToks because it's so uncool for old people to make TikToks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, mine are basically this just on TikTok. I might even clip this to put on TikTok. Um, oh my yeah, gosh, I... kill me. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's it is it is um, something that it's amazing what you can get out of it. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't an it, as a as an independent thing. It wasn't the most amazing thing that I, that we could have done with the time as a as a um, student society. But it was amazing at the kind of connections you can make that I, I think people don't realise. And like you say, it is a fifty fifty. Some people are better online. Like I would have never. I'm I'm older than you are, so I'm way more fuddy duddy. I, I would have never gone. You know what? let's get online and let's start a podcast and get on Twitch. I wouldn't have done that and apart from the pandemic. Um, weirdly, my, men- my mental health being bad probably helped me with it because it meant that I stepped away from university. I stepped away from societies and I just went, mm, you can fuck off for a year um, <laughs> like, and I'll do this. Um, but it is amazing. And people are willing to interact with societies. Like mm. I say, someone like Call Me Chris, who is now over a million on YouTube as well. And, you know, those people who generally, if it had been 2019, you wouldn't necessarily approach, but you do because everyone's online. So it's so it's amazing that you, you can do that. And yeah, that's been of- like really interesting is it, with 
what students have been doing to connect across the country that's never happened before and it baffles me because it's like you've got a history society in every university i used to be the president of our history society so they're always the example that i give <laughs> they right. don't talk to each other so when i was president of history society back in i don't know 2009 something like that when i was at uni in swansea i like googled like well what's sheffield history society doing what's like UCL's history society doing let's steal all their good ideas because that it doesn't matter that's allowed yeah. and it's actually one of the really good things about the community that I work in is that sharing good practice like aka copying someone's good idea isn't a problem and is actually quite a like a bit of a morale boost for the people who did it first because they're like oh look how great we are someone copied <laughs> us um but that's happened so much more because of the pandemic so whilst it's been dire and awful for gosh so many reasons mm. there have been some pockets and I'm, I'm ever an optimist and try and look at the good side as much as i look at the kind of devastating horrible awful stuff so yeah, yeah. There's definitely been a kind of a flip in the way that things have done for a lot of people. Now, obviously, some societies have just collapsed. Um, some of my old societies, in fact, are, are among that. You can't play pool and snooker during a pandemic. Nothing's open. You can't do it. You can't I mean, do self. Really, not the same doing that online. <laughs> no, although although I, we did do two tournaments online, and and I jokingly, as a prize, um, I sent a basket of just food and stuff, and there was toilet roll in it because I was it was the beginning uh, of the pandemic. I thought, why not? Um, and and then self-defense as well. Like I can't, <laughs> I can't do that. So there are some that, that that just collapsed, but then it's great to see those that really push through because I think a lot of the time with a lot of those societies that have done so well are the ones, like you say, the ones that maybe were smaller before and mm -hmm. have taken some ideas from here and then they've flourished because once everything's open again, all the sports can get back to normal. It's not to take them along. You know, those ones that self-defense, if somebody wants to start it up again, I mean, I'm not present anymore, but if somebody wants to start it up again, people will still want to hit each other in the head. That'll start, you know, but it's, but those smaller ones that before the pandemic were actually struggling to get through, it's actually been a flip for them. It's almost like, um, is it Redwood? Where, where they have to, um, they actually set think it's a redwood like because they have little um they're, they're tiny seeds and unless basically the, the entire forest that they're in is wiped out by a fire they mm -hmm. can't grow because oh, everything wow. else takes it up so um they used to do it in america where they only found this out because they were getting too good at stopping forest fires and mm -hmm. none of the trees were growing and it was they realized that actually they need to let some happen and then the trees so from from you know that kind of mighty oaks grow but is that it's just like they might start really small, but once they're given the chance to bloom and get up biggest trees you can find, it's that kind of thing, which I think is awesome. Um, and that is great. And like you say, you when you were doing history, you kind of went, oh, bit of that and bit of that. And that's what I think is really great of societies. When, when they do start to talk to each other, which I still think, depending on the university, is difficult. Some societies don't necessarily want to talk to each other, which is also OK, yeah. you know but they just they just don't click but some of them do and when you have like bigger societies and the smaller societies, the smaller societies like, how the hell did you like, how did you get so many people or how did you do this and it's like oh we did a, a quiz every tuesday or we did a, a zoom call with stuff you know whatever it is and suddenly it, it shoots off which is amazing that's happened during lockdown so I, i'm with you on the optimism to a point 
I'm probably not quite as optimistic. Anyone that watches these podcasts or listens to these regularly probably guess that. Um, I'm not quite as optimistic, but I, I do get it that it is certainly something that's come out of it. And I think societies are, are going a lot better because for, for many people, I think societies are the reasons that a lot of students didn't drop out. I mean, I interrupted. Yeah. I am, I, I, for those that know me, and you've read on me, I, I, I am university. That's pretty much just me. It goes together. Um, but I, I even went, you know, I, so, but for societies, the reasons that a lot of people didn't just go, you know what, fuck this shit, I'm out. Because it. it meant they actually had a connection. Because for a lot of people, m- myself included, we just went, you know what, it's not worth it. It's not, it's not, a, it's, at the moment, I can't handle this because there wasn't a connection. And like I say, with the societies I was involved in, they weren't ones that could really run that well. So they, they, I couldn't quite latch onto it. But for many people, it is the reason they're going into their second year this year, or they're going into their third year. Where actually, uh, given the, the fact that numbers are down across the board, has probably saved societies have probably been the reason that a lot of universities aren't cutting more departments. Mm. You know, University of Sheffield is getting rid of their, I think it's the science department, which has massive research behind it. And I think if you got rid of the societies from Sheffield, then you might find that it wouldn't be the only department that's going for the shop. So, yeah. And I think that's been really stark with the pandemic. And I think we're trying to kind of relish every opportunity to talk about how important student opportunities are in relation to the pandemic, because I think they were almost taken for granted before. It was kind of like, oh, they'll always just happen. Students always want to do stuff and we help students to do stuff. And I'm not saying, I'm not targeting kind of any one person or one organization or one like layer of leadership even. I think- I'm happy to. Everybody, <laughs> myself included, just kind of went, oh, well, they'll carry on because the mm. students who run them are people like you who go, this is important and interesting and fun, so I'm going to make it happen. And I think the pandemic shows kind of that actually they're not as robust as we would like them to be and that once they're gone, like it's a lot harder to get them back. Um, and when they're gone, we really miss them. And And... I think one of the things that I am cross with lots of university marketing teams about is that that lots of students joining university last year, so in kind of September time last year, um, and definitely it's happening now for starters who are come for undergrads who are starting in September. They're like, oh, you'll get a full student experience. It will be great, and it's like obviously that the benefit of hindsight is that we know that that's not true, but like we were telling them as an organization that that wasn't going to be the case way back when and we did uh, some work with about 12 students unions in the lead up to kind of the freshers period last year so once lockdown had hit for the first time in the UK um we worked with about 12 SUs and they were getting a lot of pressure from their universities to uh put on a normal freshers fair and a normal welcome experience and it's like well nothing's normal and our students are, if you think about the students that are leading these student groups and these activities, they're all facing exactly the same pressures as everybody else is, but yet we're still expecting them to run amazing welcome events on Zoom and like, oh wait, we're allowed to have them back for a few weeks in September. So students did in-person events in September as they were required to basically told they had to and then students got the blame for that next wave of the pandemic so i, I am cross about that <laughs> it's annoying yeah. oh it, it is i mean 
it's there, there is a lot of non nonsense that comes from um, university leadership. Um, and unfortunately, that's always been the case. And it's very easy for them to, to blame students and to keep it on students because they will never get the blame because, you know, aren't we important? Um, I myself have called out several leaders of universities, but uh, there we go. That's a different thing. Um, but yeah, you're, you're right. It's we, we've kind of had that issue where universities haven't been able to interact properly with their with their societies. One thing I will say that you said, um, I don't necessarily think it's down to one person. Um, purely because you sp you specify to me it's down to the committees behind that one person so th there's a lot more behind it um mm -hmm. so i don't think it's necessarily one person that, that that runs the show because without a committee there's fuck all happens <laughs> so i think it's committees and then just they, they put the one forward that never shuts up which is why my my name is known more than some others potentially purely because i don't shut up and they just do the work so um that, that i will say i think a lot of people aren't noticed for their work which is which is kind of why I, I like and both like and dislike the um, the the here the higher education mm. academic you know whatever yeah, the hell it's called record, the higher record. education achievement report I used to sit on yes. the advisory board for the UK on that uh, piece of work yeah it's, talk about it for about four hours yeah I mean it's both it's quite boring so yeah. I mean, it's both nice in that okay, they can they can get recognised, but I have not met an employer any level in any organisation, and I've come across quite a few that ever look at the damn thing because no one really cares, no one gives a shit, no one it's actually really cares. Really nice idea. It's a nice really idea, but <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it's it's a it's a back and forth, but it is at least at least those that never get you know that, that don't get to be shone that much as their work. At least they get to go look. It's on you. Know, it's something it's something at least um but yeah the university i think did uh, and the government got to blame students for doing exactly what they were told to do which was a nightmare um and like you say a lot of students were in the depths of their own hell having to then sit on zoom i mean for someone that had to do that and sit on zoom for for a couple of hours and stuff, it it was a shit show mm -hmm. the, the the idea of doing a freshers fair was a nightmare now don't get me wrong it actually went there were people that that, that actually came in and talked more than I expected. Um, my expectation was zero, though, so not overly high. Um, but the fact that anybody came in, I thought was actually really good. Um, but it just became a kind of, OK, that's great. And now we've got nothing for you to do because there is nothing to do because we're not allowed to do anything. Um, because that was the thing as well, is that you were told, like you're saying, tell them they're getting a full experience and then immediately tell all the groups. But now you can't actually do anything. We, we are you will literally be thrown out of university, potentially if you do take part in any events or actually even worse i think was where they where the instruction was and i mean don't get me wrong it was really complicated like all of the like reopening of stuff post lockdown i wouldn't like to be in any kind of govern government minister's shoes to be like navigating that minefield um but in universities particularly and colleges you're the mixed messaging of like you can do this and you can't do this or we're not sure or just the delayed decision making made it really really difficult for mm. students unions and student groups to do anything because it's you're relying on someone to make a decision about what's going to be safe for that community that university or college community based on what's legal what's like what's required by law but then also like there's a required by law, but then there's also like, well, what's our kind of personal risk um, aversion here? Like how 
far will we push it? And a lot of universities went really, really safe, which I don't blame them for. But it meant that but those decisions were coming so late. And the actual kind of final decision on what universities could do came like a week before Freshers' Fair from the government. So uh, like from when most universities were doing their Freshers' Fairs and in like Scotland and some kind of medical courses across the UK, they were already started. And then they'd already started on one set of instructions and had to go to a different one. So it was really tough. It was was a kind of, uh, I mean, one of the universities, the, 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 the most fun for me was the fact that um, the university wouldn't recognize licensed establishments who had had to go to the council to open up and get the full licensing and get everything checked by the council for whom just if you're you're wondering to that university you know exactly who you are you are licensed under as well um they weren't accepting their license and they were saying no we have to separately do it and they're going well then you've just killed all societies mm-hmm. i was um the very first um place that was licensed outside of that for the student union was a local pool and snooker hall because i was the one that pushed for it um but most societies didn't even really realize they weren't meant to be going there because why wouldn't you be able to go somewhere that the council has opened itself the council that literally licensed the bar for the university and this is why i I mean i personally got a little bit annoyed locally because i used to be a district councillor and i was on the licensing committee (laughs) <laughs> so I was there kind of going, I know full well how your licensing works here, because I'm pretty sure I was one of the people that helped you have your licensing, because the university I was at that I was talking about is in my old ward. That's why some of the mem- the management know me. <laughs> so I, it did get very annoying that the, the higher ups were so disconnected, as you said yourself, is that they become disconnected from everything. And this is where those societies get to step in but during the pandemic their stepping in was also stilted by the universities and that's why i think organizations and and organized fund like yourselves can be really important because where the job of um the societies is great and it gets people involved and they can do stuff it then can feel to a lot of people like nothing is happening either because the student union can't do it the student union doesn't know because a lot of the times you get people on student unions who they don't know what they're doing. Let's be honest. It's a, it's a, it's a popularity contest. Um, and you might have office staff who are new, who don't know what's happened before. And unless well, you've got... They're not new, when you've got a new circumstance like the pandemic, it was yeah. a lot, a lot for a person yeah. who, who was trying to kind of do their day job in the best possible way. Yeah. Yeah. Also kind of suffering the personal consequences of everything that was happening yeah. and then trying to navigate it to be able to make their students that they're responsible for safe. It's really difficult. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think it was I think it was quite amusing um, when I was in Zoom calls, when I was um, kind of still active. Um, I'll just say Canterbury Christchurch University. Um, it was quite amusing for them because I think the students union. Ex- I may be a little bit confrontational at times. Um for, for what I think is right and I think it was really um, amusing to see um, the students union's response because I was there going oh no actually you've done it really well like I think you're doing a great job everything's um, doing considering what you're going through you could just see people's faces going like Adam's being nice to us I don't like this um, <laughs> but it was because the university were doing so shit but obviously when you've got people coming in that don't know what they're doing um, or like you say they're, they're, they're having to do their own day job and then get everything else it is a nightmare so something like organized fun that can kind of go look we know what the shit show is there and we don't necessarily know either because we haven't seen a pandemic in over 100 years either but we're another layer that might have something we know the university is not going to um, listen to you because universities have a tendency of not listening 
I'm sorry, you unless you're at somewhere like University of Glasgow, which whose mental health stuff is fucking exceptional. Um, they, they do have a tendency of just being very disconnected. So the fact that you're there as well as an add on and be able to connect people, I think, is an amazing step because it is that it is something that I don't think the NUS were prepared for or capable of. So I think it is really important as part of that chain. Um, so was there anything that, that has changed for you in this past year in terms of best practice? Because obviously you've had your way of doing things and it's like, right, we want to do this to help people and do this to help. But that was before, you know, <laughs> to, to quote Mike Tyson, everyone has a plan until you get hit in the face. Um, it's until the, the, the pandemic turned up. Has there been anything through um, the pandemic and from you guys seeing oh shit, this works because it's online that has made you guys go, okay, actually, maybe we can do this. I mean, the fact that you're doing, um, you, you've done two uh, NSVAs now that were both online is is obviously something that you were yeah. not necessarily prepared for. But no. So there's a nice little story for you. <laughs> so we, um, we took on the NSVAs when they were the NSAs, so the National Societies Awards. They didn't have volunteering involved. And that was in about December 2019 when we got sign off from NUS that we could do them because they, they weren't owned by NUS, but they were kind of shepherded by NUS. So when I worked at NUS, one of my responsibilities was to work closely with the students union who was hosting the actual in-person event. And then we would help with the kind of nominations process and the comms about it, putting it out to students unions and telling them all about it. And then, um, I left the NUS and then we kind of went, oh, I don't think they're going to be able to run that anymore because they don't have the people power that they used to have. So I kind of went to them very early days and said, look, Organised Fund want to run these awards and they were just societies at this stage. And then they kind of finally went, yeah, okay, you can do it. And they kind of trusted that we weren't going to go and try and make like millions of pounds off it. Not that it ever would, but that was never our intention. Um, and said we could we could do it so then kind of december kind of christmas happens after christmas right let's make this awards thing happen and the plan was to have it in and uh we're based in nottingham but we work uk wide but we were going to host it in a college it's a place called metronome it's run by nottingham trent university but it's it's a live music venue and it's got like a state-of-the-art av and it's really lovely so we were going to run it in there we'd booked it was all planned we were obviously terrified because organized fun is a really small team so i work on i work for on because it's my business organized fun full-time my partner my romantic partner jamie has been roped in because i need extra support so he does it part-time but he's a third year undergrad doing philosophy so he um that's a whole other kind of story <laughs> about homeschooling and trying to do a philosophy degree um <laughs> so he works with me part-time and he does quite and a lot of like the behind the scenes stuff makes the website work properly does of our our finances that kind of thing mm. but also was helping me with the nsvas to do the, the the kind of event management logistics for it so we were like yeah we're good we're we're, we're on track it's a big big risk for us because we are organized fun. We have associate consultants who work with us, but they're not kind of paid employees. Um, and then we have some volunteers who kind of help us ad hoc with little projects. Um, 
and then now we have somebody who I pay every week to do a bit of social media stuff for us because I hate doing it um, and she's excellent at it she's a sabbatical officer so she's wonderful um so we're tiny so it's a huge risk for us taking on this huge like national award ceremony we have a really quite small profile when it comes to this kind of thing and it's ever growing but at that point we were still only a year and a half old as an organization so we we I personally had fantastic connections across the sector, but as an organization, people were still being like, organize what, who, huh? And sussing out who we were. So we are like, yeah, we're gonna run the awards and we're gonna invite volunteering to be part of it. So it's gonna become the NSVAs. And we just launched and kind of put the nominations process out there and gone and taken a breather and gone, okay, it's out in the world, we're doing it. We were ready to go we had the venue we were selling tickets for the evening and the nominations were out there and then the pandemic hit and it was very clear very quickly that we couldn't do an in-person event because it just wouldn't be a responsible thing to do because the event was planned for may and we obviously went into lockdown in march um so we then cancelled the in-person event and then had to suss out from our home how do we do a live awards broadcast um and at that point, we didn't have, we, you know, we had normal work laptops, like nothing fancy. I didn't even have an external webcam at that point because my laptop webcam was fine. But at that point in lockdown, we couldn't even bring anybody into our house to help us. So it had to be me and Jamie and our his kids, my stepkids, who did everything. So we had the girls like helping like set the scene and bring plants up to the office to make it look nice in the background and I had to host the whole thing because we can't bring in an external host because that's not a thing that is possible to us so yeah we ran uh an online awards event it was fine it, well it was good it was it was good it was engaging and fun and we did what we wanted to do which was celebrate societies and volunteering in the UK um, and then this, and then we finished that and went, oh gosh, thank goodness next year we'll be able to do it online, <laughs> no, in person, not online. And then obviously that didn't happen either because big in-person events are still not allowed. Well, they're just opening up now and it's like the end of May. Um, we're like actually allowed to hug people now for the first time in over a year. So, uh, I mean, there's a whole podcast for you, like hugging yeah. <laughs> and, and the lack thereof and how bad it is for people's mental health. Um, so, yeah, we ran it again online this year. Um, but and that was much better. We, we were able to kind of um, involve other people. So I didn't have to host the whole thing. We got some students to do that. And then we had students working behind the scenes in the production office at Coventry University, where we hosted from like a studio, which was very cool. Yeah, the big screen, um, didn't you? yeah. Yeah, it was very snazzy. <laughs> uh, what wasn't snazzy was that we were supposed to be in Coventry kind of behind the scenes to make sure that everything went the way it was supposed to. But we got alerted by the track and trace app on the morning that we were supposed to go to Coventry saying we'd been in contact with somebody with COVID and we had to isolate for 10 days. So we were literally getting in the car to drive to Coventry to do the NSVAs. So we we project managed the NSVAs 2021 via Zoom again. Um, but luckily we had a wonderful production crew who knew exactly what they were doing. So actually it was probably better rather than having me going, oh no, no, can you stand there actually? <laughs> I think that looks better and the, the professionals are going, just ignore that. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we did it online again. 
but going back to last year and kind of back to your question which is about like I suppose like pivoting what you do and like changing in good practice and stuff I, I suppose for us as an organization we had a really scary time when the pandemic first hit because we had three consultancy projects booked in and and the way our business model works is that the consultancy that we do kind of pays the bills and pays my time essentially our time Hmm. meaning that we can do things like the nsvas not for profit so we run them well last year in 2020 we they cost us money Um, and this year they only cost us in time because we managed to get Few, a few thousand pounds sponsorship to cover the costs that were in that were involved in running it and then next year again we're going to try and get sponsorship to cover the costs and some of our time which would be a dream because we basically volunteer to make them happen so we do them in evenings and weekends and that kind of thing um so our business model relies on us having kind of a steady trickle of consultancy work either big projects or smaller scale but more regular projects and when the pandemic hit last year we basically had three fairly large scale projects that we're going to see us through for like four or five months cancel because mm. our clients who are students unions and universities and colleges predominantly were like oh my god this is going to affect our budgets hugely we can't splash out on consultancy and we don't there's no point in getting consultants in to try and develop the work we do because who knows what our work's going to look like in a month and three months yeah. and six months and a year. So we had this kind of scary time of going, we're doing the NSVAs, which is something we do for free in any scrap of time that we've got, which is taking up tons of time because it wasn't, it's not the event that we intended it to be. So we're having to, my other, my other half, Jamie, we're having to learn how to use kind of like broadcasting software and we're learning how to make like transition slides and, and learning how to put a little logo in the corner of the screen to make us look like MTV. Um, so he's learning how to do all that whilst also trying to do his second year philosophy degree and also having to homeschool a 10 year old and a 14 year old which I will never do again. It was horrible. They are gorgeous children, but it was horrible. Um, Props to teachers. That's all I'll say. (laughs) Um, So it was really scary. It was a really stressful time. But then we kind of basically just had to adapt how we worked as a business and do more that was like uh, digital, which is a good thing. So like digital workshops and digital kind of... um, working groups so I said that we worked with 12 student unions on a program to kind of prep them for freshers yeah so we did that kind of work so kind of less kind of more people but less money to make sure that we were getting an income but it wasn't scary for their budgets but also it was helpful for what they needed today rather than going because most places that we work with basically threw the strategy out the window once they realized that COVID was here to stay So they're all kind of having to adapt how they work anyway. So it ended up being okay. And then we ran another online event um, in the July, early July, called Student Opportunities Festival, which was a digital conference for staff, students and sabbatical officers in student opportunities. And that was like a dream come true for me because I've always wanted to do something like that. And And the pandemic allowed that to happen because... I wanted to do it as like an in-person festival with like actual tents and actual people in the room together and student bands and that kind of stuff. 
but that's quite far away in terms of like logistics and budget and where do you even do that kind of thing whereas mm. doing that online is way easier to pull off so that was great because we brought in the student radio association and the student fundraising association and the student volunteering network all of these voluntary organizations that represent the little bits of student opportunities yeah. we brought all them together and did this really cool event so this is an incredibly long answer to your question it's fine but, it's fine um so that for us as a business we then kind of pivoted and did more like digital stuff online stuff and then we ended up getting some client work with um kind of people outside of the students union university college sector working more with like the british youth council and um kind of youth voice charities who had seen what we'd done with the nsvas and seen what we'd done with the festival and gone oh we should be doing that stuff for the youth sector too so we we got some like really random work with those sorts of organizations just to kind of help them to do what we'd done but for their sector so that was really interesting so in terms of us as a business it definitely changed how we do a lot of our work it meant that we had to think about such a cheesy business phrase but like diversifying our income so it wasn't all reliant on me as a consultant being in the room with the people and actually yeah. there's different ways to earn money and there's different ways to help people for the sector like for so for student opportunities more generally i think the kind of it's a shorter answer because i think the future is hybrid so the future is doing stuff that can be accessed digitally but also people can be in a room together and whether you're in the room or you're accessing digitally you might be getting a different experience but you're still getting a good experience so and i think that's that's one of the big things that has changed for the better is making things more accessible because people can access online but not meaning that everything has to be online like it was during the lockdowns in the uk yeah you get to have a bit more mix. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of universities who um, who were for years saying how bad online education and everything like that was, and you couldn't yeah. do it, that are now doing... Yeah, yeah, everyone's like off the open university, and then as soon as lockdown hit, I bet every vice-chancellor yes. in the country was on the phone to the OU being oh, like, I, I made this. I made this comment to someone. I, I remember saying, like, the one, the one university in the UK that were just laughing was the open university because they're like it doesn't affect us at all we mm -hmm. are prepared for this um, anyone that doesn't know it because i know we've got viewership in canada um and america and turkey as well hello oh, and I, I was checking who, who does the captions apparently in turkey um so the open university i know in some countries it isn't really a thing or hasn't been a thing especially in america um that don't really have online universities the open university is a fully recognized fully licensed fully accepted university in fact it used to have control over parts of the bbc at night time to give lessons effectively to those that couldn't access universities or colleges um so it's a fully recognized and accepted university but some universities the russell group um tended to look down a little bit on it because it wasn't it wasn't in a nice brick building um but of course with the pandemic happening as uh, rosie says the open university were there going yeah we're fine um the one group that wasn't affected did you actually have any interaction with um societies from the open university because i know they do have them i never entirely know how but they do have them so 
they have like volunteering opportunities through that they have a kind of a student union but it's not a student union in in like a bricks and mortar building it's like more of a collection of people doing stuff together and they do the kind of student voice leadership stuff as well but yeah they do have societies they um we interacted with them a little bit actually during the kind of first lockdown in the uk so sort of spring summer last year and look kind of learning from them and saying well how do you operate and it's just how we've seen in other universities over the past year like that they do stuff online and they kind of meet up if they need to but mostly it's online um, and but they just don't do kind of the same level they don't have as many for example and there's kind of a bit more that's um directed by the university of like we're going to do this type of activity yeah. because there's more people to sort of connect with um so yeah it's a slightly different model but they do have societies yeah i mean obviously the, the open university is is well known for having older students as well which possibly have kind of done their running around and dancing or playing football or whatever that yeah, the rest of us may well do now 32 and he's a, he's an undergrad but a mature student with kids and he is less bothered about getting involved with stuff which obviously is a huge bugbear to me because i'm like it's literally our job to get people involved in this stuff there's but there's me 36 that... only just having stepped away from society um <laughs> time isn't it and that inclination and um he was just starting the philosophy society because they didn't have one at his university just mm. as the pandemic hit and then their last meeting was on the day that um lockdown was announced so they were all in the bar at the student union having a beer talking about what the, their plans for the year of philosophy society <laughs> and then literally the news is like oh everything's got to shut down and they basically all went oh let's not bother because <laughs> it's not gonna it's not gonna take off this year yeah. i mean i can get I mean, some of the stuff you're saying i have to say um i think i had never heard of the nsas ever i'd never heard of that as a, as a thing until you took it over mm -hmm. um so i I think they gave it to you because they knew that they couldn't do it and no one knew what they were and not in a nasty way but like there was no reason for them to run it because they clearly knew they couldn't yeah um, they, weren't, so. they weren't a huge thing before we took them over they were run by a student union each year and it meant that each year the brand changed and it meant that each year they tended to change the social media accounts it's exactly the same as when you take over a society or a student group mm. you want to like refresh it and revive it and give it a new brand and a new flavor and actually that kind of can quell the constant brand recognition and yes. people knowing what you are and what you do and who you are and it was exactly the same with the national societies award so they'd been run by nottingham university cardiff university ue in bristol and man met they'd all done a spectacular job it started in ue um they'd all done a really good job, but the logo and the brand was different every year. So in turn, and they tended to start a new social media account each year too, because it, it always kind of was one of those handover problems where the account details don't get passed over. So for the, we're now in the second year of running the NSVAs and we've not changed the brand and we've kept the same social media accounts. So. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is definitely a thing. I think a lot of people um, just, don't learn that not everyone is on the same social media either so it's just like oh let's just do this and do that and it's it it becomes a nightmare and i mean i think i actually think also that the um nsvas as well as your festival was one a hell of a lot better than the nus conference was so as someone who was an nus delegate last oh, year i didn't go so I, it's I probably best 
Um, <laughs> it's probably best. It was a shit show. It, it was an absolute uh, shit show. And the fact that you were running pretty much everything from, um, you know, your sofa kind of thing. Well, I think that says a lot. The, the NSBAs 2020 were filmed in this office. We just rearranged the furniture <laughs> and I put on slightly more glamorous clothes um, and we used like, you know, the colour changing light bulbs from Ikea that we already have in our living room. Because and then you had a disco afterwards. I mean, you had a disco afterwards as well. Yeah, we so, had a I mean, DJ set. So. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a lot better. I mean, I think that's the thing is that, um, I think that says a lot about how people are used to running things though, because an adaptability. I don't, I think the NUS yeah. in general have this problem. Um, they're, adapt, they're about as adaptable as a steel bar. Um, and I think university management have the same issue. Students unions yeah. are, a bit, are a little bit better. Student unions aren't, they still have their issues, but I think students unions, because of the, the, the kind of the new blood, although it causes issues, it also means that they're willing to try something mm-hmm. um, because they haven't got 20 years of, you know, doing the same thing, telling them that they're always right. And I'm talking to someone who probably does do this on occasion going, yeah, but because it's built in it happens but you have got new blood that allows them to be a bit more malleable of trying things i mean the the one thing that i noticed from the change from last year to this year from you guys from actually the nsvas and it's it's a perfect change because i've been going on at student unions about this one you moved away from facebook and you put it on youtube because no one fucking all student unions out there no one Half of the people that are going to be at university next year, they don't, they've never even ever created an account on Facebook. No one uses it. Or they you only know, use you've... Facebook because their mum's told them they have to yes. have Facebook to be able to send that picture to your auntie. Yeah, exactly. It's that, it's that thing. And... Going to uni in September and she's only on Facebook because we've told her she has to be so that we can kind of see photos. She's like, I'm just not going to put photos on though. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it's, it's something that I think it was really good to see. Um, and it's why I ended up um, looking at different things because I was like, oh, okay, so that's on YouTube and that one's fine. Because other, other um, universities, even with student awards or anything like that, just stayed on Facebook. And you kind of go, I mean, well... it's really easy. I don't blame them. That's why we chose it for last year. Um, yeah, but that was they... when you didn't know, necessarily know as, as much better. Though. Yeah, we, don't, we didn't know what we were doing, but we chose, <laughs> we chose YouTube because it's like just more, it's more technically... There's more technical options. It's more robust, and everyone can use YouTube. Whereas if you're not a user of Facebook, it can be a bit confusing. So that's why we kind of picked it. Um, but yeah, it's. I think just going back to what you were saying about like NUS being like incredibly like slow and maybe not as kind of on with the times, and the same with universities. I'll defend them slightly in saying that they are huge bureaucratic machines um sometimes to their detriment but sometimes just in in that they've kind of definitely with universities they kind of grow and a bit gets tacked on and then there's bureaucracy to go with that and then another bit gets tacked on and there's the bureaucracy to go with that trying to get a decision to then happen quickly or something to be done responsively is incredibly hard because it has to go through 14 committees it's very similar at NUS yeah Um, and what we have the ability to do as a teeny team is one get grey hairs through working really hard um but we're really nimble we can work really quickly and we're we kind of that's kind of one of our benefits so when we are intending to grow as an organization but we won't 
get less nimble we'll stay have kind of the ability to make quick decisions and stay stay like in touch with like what the trends are and like the tech and that kind of stuff like we're constantly trying to use different technology to make our processes more efficient and make our work with clients more efficient where we're doing consultancy projects so we use yeah. things like Basecamp to project manage and we use Slack to chat to each other. Even though my office is here and his office is in the spare room down there, I get the, the bigger office because I'm like the CEO. Okay. Um, <laughs> even though he's a student, he should definitely have this office. He needs quieter time than me. But he chose the smaller office. His room, his office is like on the corridor and we live together and we're a couple, but we still Slack each other because I suppose going back to the kind of point of your podcast in, ter in terms of mental health we find as a couple running a business that's really dynamic and is growing really quickly and is doing stuff that's kind of we do stuff that's like punching above our weight I suppose like the NSVAs where it's like really a tiny organization you're going to run something like that but because we do there's a real risk that all we talk about is organized fun and so we keep work chat on slack for example so and it's hard sometimes you know we meet at the kettle just as the same way that other colleagues would do and go oh what are you working on are oh, you doing this oh well i've been thinking about this no nope. let's just have a coffee and then put it on slack and we have to do stuff like that otherwise we found when jamie first started working with organized fun we just talked about work all the time and it's not healthy yeah i mean so to go slightly back to defend your defense um i get that from nus and universities i do call a little bit of bullshit on their way of talking about it though because um i think you can cut through most of the bureaucracy um like i say i i was a district councillor i was an elected politician here that worked with canterbury Christchurch university and i could have done get got something done if i just asked a question so yes they might have to go through 50 bureaucratic unless they don't want to um for for extending circumstances forms um because i used to work for the university as well um and i talked just the same about them then as i do now so um i got a change made which made it easier for people to get the extended circumstances because i became someone that could give you give them a letter of evidence through this um, student minds society student minds was a could basically be an evidence for people that couldn't or didn't feel comfortable going to a counselor or a doctor or anything like that. Mm -hmm. um, it took me three weeks to do that. Mm -hmm. um, and yet people had been asking for about, for about a year and a half. But the difference is, is that I would just go to their office and tell them to change it. I and, think that's kind of another thing going back to the pandemic is like, there's a lot of things that the system said that couldn't happen that has happened because yeah. of <laughs> yes. it's like, oh, I wish we could have done this earlier like yeah. recording lectures like it's so much better for accessibility <laughs> absolutely um, absolutely i mean i i, I that is I, I will admit my wrongness university of kent anyone that was around when i was on union council i will admit i voted against that plan several years ago i was wrong all right um <laughs> the university of kent wanted to put that in years ago and i said no i can't remember what my reasoning was but clearly i was wrong um but yeah i think like you say people have been able to, to change it up and that's where student unions like i say um cross student union i think really did um you know they, they found their malleability a lot quicker than universities did um i don't know about all student unions. I know some student unions around the, the country because of having ties with different ones, but I know some, uh, obviously some of them were a little bit slower, some of them were quicker, but 
that was really good to see. And I think that's been a, definitely a, a good a good push for a lot of them. Um, as you say, it's as a as a, a couple there as well. Um, how have you found your mental health during all this? Because obviously, um, I mean, I, I was doing several things at the beginning of the pandemic. I'm not doing the same amount anymore. I am now just I am now somehow as an oldie, I have ended up as a basically kind of a full time mental health streamer and facilitator, YouTuber and podcast host. I don't know how the hell that happened, um, but that's kind of helped for, for me. But so I but I don't do as much, you know, all those YouTubers and streamers that pretend they do a lot of work. No, you don't. You lazy bastards. You turn the camera on. Um, so I'm doing a lot less, but you haven't. You've if anything, you've increased what you do. Mm. So how has that been for you? And is that is that is there a, like a snapshot of your mental health? I know this would be hard to do, but can you imagine if it would be better or worse if the pandemic hadn't have happened or if it had been in a different place? It would be 10 times better if the pandemic hadn't happened. <laughs> uh, I won't speak uh, massively for Jamie, my other half, but uh, because that's not my place to do so, but I'm sure he wouldn't mind me sharing that like he like being a student, a full-time undergrad, when he went back to uni because he didn't go to uni, he went to uni at kind of the normal age of like 19, but he was a young dad and just didn't have a good time as a young student parent. Like back then, he when was this, like 2010? So when I, yeah, when I was doing the kind of normal student experience without the kids, I had a great time, but he had a really different experience. So he dropped out in second year and then always had this thing of going like, I really want to go back to uni. I really want to, and did, he's done a completely different course. So he went back to uni just as we started Organised Fun, um, which was terrible timing, but that's just what happens, isn't it? Um, so, uh, and had a really great first and second year. And then this year, like studying online as a dad, he would go to uni and go for a seminar, but spend a few hours in the library before, and we'd make sure we have childcare, or I'd have the kids, or he co-parents with his ex-partner. So, you know, that works out fine. But when the kids are here most of the time, and they're lovely, they're very well-behaved kids, but they're like, oh, dad, can you help me with my maths? And he's like trying to get stuck into a really tricky philosophy problem is really difficult. Or, or even if the kids are, aren't with us or are happy doing something else and he's like doing a philosophy seminar then jumping into doing year five maths it's a massive change of your kind of mental state and he's had a really hard time and as well as being dad and homeschooling and doing his degree he's been part-time running the business with me so um that's been really difficult for me personally it's um 10 out of 10 the pandemic has made my mental health worse um uh it we have done i've worked like 20 hour days a lot over the last year i have i two weeks before the nsva's 2021 i had a panic attack in our hall because of we we just got all of the sponsorship confirmed really last minute because that's how it always inevitably happens. And was, the sponsorship was such a relief because we weren't having to pay for the awards personally, because as a small business, 
a few thousand pounds is substantial amounts of money and we just got all of the sponsorship confirmed and I was so relieved but then the sponsorship comes with loads of other tasks because you then have to put their messages out on social media and make sure they're involved in the scripts and make sure they sign everything off and I was just like I can't do this I can't do all this on my own and he was he had loads of assignments due in so I'm trying desperately hard not to tell him how stressed I am but really stressed and then he just looked at me I sat outside in the hall in between our two rooms where we work and he went are you okay and I was like no and then like couldn't breathe and all of the classic kind of panic attack stuff and it was fine I you know I won't dwell on that bit too much because it was just kind of a bad two hours um and then sort of dust myself up had a bit of rest time and then got back to it and made it all happen um but yeah the pandemic was awful like was awful for mental health as somebody who thrives off being with other people mm. which i definitely am i'm very i'm quite an extrovert it's one of the reasons why i love my job is because i could go to this conference and get to talk to 50 people and have a lovely chat and then i go here and i get energy and ideas and confidence from talking to other people and as somebody who then was like none of no more travel obviously and i was before the pandemic probably every week or every other week on a train to somewhere in the uk i could be in liverpool one week and then kingston the next and then down to london so it it completely changed my way of working my business model the way i parented my stepkids the way i had a relationship with my partner the way i had a relationship with my friends my family um but here's the like the kind of the really sad bit there was a huge bit of relief for me because both my parents have passed away fairly recently and i was just so incredibly grateful that I, that they weren't still ill in the pandemic because my mum was a worrier mm. and she would have absolutely hated it and I, it breaks my heart still now. I know people who've lost loved ones to COVID, but even for those that I don't know, the thought of not being able to be with your loved one in their last moments because of the restrictions is just hideous. So whilst it was really horrible for my mental health pandemic, and I think we're still kind of recovering now, it's definitely still not brilliant. Mm. Um, I was just so relieved. It was like, oh, gosh thank goodness they're already dead <laughs> which is which is a horrible thing to think but it's just awful like it's so sad so yeah yeah I mean I think mental health for a lot of people it's it's the case that most of us don't really know what our mental health is at the moment I, I say this a lot when I when I when I stream is that um for most of us if if we offered a million pounds to everybody on the street and said right I need you to tell me exactly how your mental health is right now not what your immediate response is, but what your actual mental health is. No one would win the million because no one actually knows because no one does the introspection. No one, no one takes the time to have that mindful moment. And I will point out for anyone listening or watching, when I say mindful moment, I do not mean an LA yoga studio sitting in the corner going, um, that's not what I mean. Mindful moment is any time at which you are relaxed and have um, the space to know your own present, which can be when you're listening to ACDC or watching your favorite Netflix. It doesn't matter. And I teach meditation. I'm still telling you that. Um, so, yeah, it, we don't do that. So we don't have that interaction to be able to really know what our mental health is. And I think a lot of us are doing that. I mean, 
for me, I, I haven't had time to process a lot of things because of something happening and then obviously going into the pandemic not, not long after um, and then being in a house and then moving. So I'm still processing stuff. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Um, I mean, weirdly, uh, parts of um, the pandemic, why what what I, my interaction was online probably saved my life, if I'm honest. Um, I've talked about this in other places that um, I, so I now I'm a streamer on Twitch and i i have a ah, fuck it people know about this anywhere mum if you're listening just switch off now i'd planned out my own suicide um i had planned it out that was it uh, no one was gonna see me i was in a house by myself no one would know it was the middle of a pandemic um i kind of knew about twitch because i went on there because of youtube um because it was someone i watched on youtube that i could watch the stuff earlier on there but i hadn't really interacted with it and then i just one day just went oh, i just got into just chatting um, and came across five channels that made me smile at a time when I couldn't. And I've said before that, no, they didn't individually save me. They didn't individually stop anything. But if they hadn't have been there, if those five channels hadn't have been there, neither would I, yeah. um, because it's everything together. So much as people malign um, social media and a lot of the stuff that we move towards, it is literally the reason I'm still here, because I was... I it was a done deal i i was you know it wasn't it wasn't anything else i wouldn't have nobody would have found you know it wouldn't have been an issue um the only time that a family is when they would have come around for the dog so um that's it but it's so i i think people's mental health has gone on a roller coaster because you can be from from like put to absolute you are done as i was but at the same reason the reason that you're done although there was a lot of other stuff, but it was exacerbated by the pandemic, then also being the reason that you're doing something else is the reason that you're not done. And it's, it's, a, it's a very weird kind of roller coaster that it, it, you, is why it's so difficult to kind of know where your mental health is for a lot of us, because it's just, we aren't really at the end of any kind of story yet. It's still, we're still midway through the, um, you know, the, 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 the fantasy. It's, it's, it's very strange for a lot of us. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I can understand your, your kind of thoughts on the, you know, not wanting, effectively not wanting your, your mother and father to be through the, the same kind of pain or, or anything else. I mean, my, um, only one person in my family got, got COVID and they died from it. So it, COVID has a 100% kill rate in my family. Mm. Um, so my auntie passed away from it. Um, and she wasn't that, well, she was, she was an older generation, but she wasn't that old compared to my parents even. So, um, it's, you get things like that. And I, I don't. I don't even recognize that it's happened because it's you don't interact with it you find you, you kind of hear things with the grapevine a, a lot at the moment um especially about deaths of family members so it is it is a bit of a nightmare and uh, for your um for your partner doing um all that i can confirm as someone that does private educational tutoring um and did it through the pandemic that switching from one thing to another um just switching even on the same level like mm -hmm. i i've gone from um you know higher chemistry to higher mathematics which is the same fucking subject in some ways even that you kind of get halfway through and go no wait that's not the way you're gonna do it now um yeah. even that can be very difficult so going from I don't, I don't know what type of um philosophy your partner's doing whether it's continental oh, or like not metaphysics so okay so metaphysics so metaphysics <laughs> so I'm more continental philosophy but metaphysics Jesus yeah yep. so from metaphysics to often I, I, he's like can you read my essay and I'm like well no <laughs> <laughs> I can't yeah metaphysics is fun metaphysics you do tend to look at and go that makes sense and not at the same time um so going from metaphysics to then um like 
Spending. even just the change in in level the change in subject everything is a nightmare so anybody that's had to do that um you know literally talking to someone who tutors people i find that difficult during the, the um during the pandemic so the idea of being able to do it especially when let's be honest as a home parent you don't necessarily know it you don't necessarily know the subject you know i trained to know it i am a member of the tutors association which is the only association in the uk i am with them for a reason you know i am trained to do it and i find it difficult so when we've got parents all over the country and then people just going oh well you should be able to do it why can you do can you do all the stuff you did at gcse of you didn't part of gcse the first time round. how the fuck are you going to help them now so it's, yeah. it, it becomes really i like i i that that argument when i when when it was going around of like people oh you should just be able to do it <laughs> just because you're older doesn't mean yeah. the, the idea that you're older and wiser you may be wiser it doesn't mean you're you know the subject more you know not to put your hand on an oven when you're 20 and you don't when you're five it doesn't mean you know how to do simultaneous equations any any um, better than when you were 15 so it's have changed the way that we have. were taught to do like uh, i don't know division is different to how my year six stepdaughter does division. So she was showing me the bus stop method and I was like, man, I haven't the foggiest. I don't know what you're doing. So, yeah. I have to admit, I change them back. I make all my students do it my way. I'm like, this is just easier, guys. How do you argue with their logic when there's a 10 year old being like, I mean, I get it. I need to know this to pass my exams in a few years time and to do well in my SATs, which mm. spoiler alert, she didn't have to do because mm. of everything that's happened. So we were prepping her for her SATs last year, ready to do them this year. She's like, I know I have to do them because I need to pass my SATs and I need to do my GCSEs in a few years. But I don't really need to do this maths because I have a calculator on my phone. <laughs> and then you're like, mm, I know. I mean, I know. And then when you're like, I'm like late for a meeting that I need to prep for and Jamie's trying to write an essay and you're like, no, it's very important. It's very difficult. And we started off with the first few weeks of the pandemic when they said, oh, schools will be back after Easter. We kind of were a bit lax with our homeschooling. We were like, well, you'll learn the lessons of life, like how to empty the dishwasher and how to help <laughs> me, how to help me plant sunflower seeds for the allotment. Um, let's all go to the allotment and do some digging, that kind of learning, rather than like, oh, we're going to do like all of your lessons. And then when we realised that actually this wasn't going away, that's when we had to have like timetables and actually look at the resources and stuff. And then, yeah, it was uh, fun. And and also having a 10 year old and a 14 year old, they have very different needs. So the 10 year old, it's like, how do you keep her on track for more than 20 minutes without her wanting to run off and go on oh, what game does she play some oh god something with like neon animals roblox right okay not an ad obviously uh, <laughs> unless like, of course oh, you want to give us money for the podcast yeah. but tell you he's like yeah i just want to go on roblox but all my friends are there like your friends aren't on roblox they're also doing their lessons so that, that's the problem with her and then the other one you're like she just doesn't want to get out of bed because she's a teenager and then um, and we also don't want to get out of bed because we're in a pandemic and it's exhausting so yeah it wasn't fun and then the bit that really wound me up was the like i had to like pull myself off social media for a while and like not look so much because the whole like it wasn't parent shaming but it felt like parent mm. shaming where you were seeing people's wonderful resources and the home classrooms they'd set up and stuff um and you're like really 
and then you realize that it's those people that are like they're on furlough so it's like well actually it's quite fun then it's like oh here's something i can do because i'm not at work but um yeah we were because we were both working really 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 hard it just kind of like was a bit of like salt in the wound when you're like yes she's definitely spent too long on an ipad today but also i've been in meetings nine till nine so yeah i mean it's, yeah yeah I, I always look at um those kind of parents that had all that a bit like i look at um people in brand new sports gears at the beginning ski gears gear at the beginning of a marathon <laughs> you'll be you'll be done in five miles and i'll go past you it's it, that's how i look at that um i mean i i was a teacher as well before that's why i went into um private tutoring but um so many of the parents that were like that were what we are now calling karens who know fuck all but know how to make it look nice um and you become it becomes an issue because you know little sally should know this no she actually shouldn't at the moment and the way you're teaching it is wrong um but but it becomes a problem and obviously then you as a, someone that's just trying you get you get shamed for it and then you get the people going oh well, you should just be able to do it and it's 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 nonsensical it is completely nonsensical um you shouldn't be able to do it like i say i was a teacher who now tutors and i find it difficult that that's the that's the reality guys anyone listening if you're worried about that you didn't do your, your job or whatever I was a teacher, now do private tutoring, and I still think it's difficult um, to be able to do it. And I had to change my way of doing it because I was doing it in, in person, then went to Zoom. So it is, it is very difficult um, to, to do things like that. Um, and it was, you know, it's completely changed. And obviously, it, I mean, the whole thing was a nightmare, for, especially anyone going to university because their A levels were fucked and GCCs yeah. were fucked as well. And it's, it's such a nightmare. I, like I have, I have people that, are, that I come across through Twitch that are just, you know, they don't know what they're doing. They're, they're just doing the GCCs, just doing A levels. And because their schools and the government have still continually plastered it into them that these are the most important things in the world. Newsflash, anyone doing any exam at any point, it isn't because the next one you do will be more important. And then the one after that, I got shit GCSEs, um, but then I went and did my A-levels, did all right my A-levels, then I got a degree. Nobody gave a shit about the A-levels, nobody gave a shit about the GCSEs. Then I got my master's degree and no one cared about my uh, degree. Then I became a fellow of the Royal Society of Arts. And actually that was more important than most of my things for de degrees. There's always something above. And the second you have it, or the second you're in, a, in an area that um, demands certain respect, no one cares about the rest of it. They care where you are now and what you've done now, but the problem is, is that everyone, the schools, the, te um, the, the teachers, the, the government, all tell them that it's so important, even from the age of like 10. Mm -hmm. You know, the fact that the 10 year old was saying about how I've got to do no, Jesus Christ, no, just go and play. Um, you know, it's, it's ridiculous. The amount of times I had to say to, to, to kids um, that were going, oh, I've got to revise, I was like, no, stop revising, go and watch a film and chill out the day before you've got to do this. And even the parents there, but he shouldn't he be revising? No, because he's not. He's just he's just burning himself out, and it, it becomes a massive burnout for kids. And for for you and for everyone around it, it is a massive problem that um, the government didn't really prepare themselves for. Um, well, and yeah, really confusing. Now my niece is eighteen, and she's just finishing her A levels. Mm. And over the past few months, I've kind of talked to her regularly, like online and stuff, and on phones. And I'm like, oh, right. So uh, when's your coursework in? Because your coursework now counts for all of your A-level. She's like, oh, no, they've changed the rules again. We're having a, a test that's not an exam, but it's a test. But they're going to kind of give us a clue about what the answer is. 
so they and then and then the next time I speak to her she's like oh no it's back to coursework now so my coursework does count for 100% of my A-level and then the next week she's like no no we are doing that test again it's yeah. so confusing for them and she's incredibly conscientious she's wanted to go to uni since she was about eight it's always mm. been on her agenda she will go she will get yeah. in but the stress it's caused her as someone who was always going to do well so I can't even imagine what it's like for someone who's like on the kind of precipice of going like, you know, I might, I, I, they're not as maybe resilient or not kind of, they haven't maybe got the kind of tools in the toolkit already, whereas she's pretty good at exams and she's pretty good at coursework. So she was like, well, either way, I'll be okay. Yeah. For those students that don't feel like that, it's enough to make or break your course which feels like it's going to ruin your life at the time because of the pressure that's put on it and that's where you get serious mental health problems and young people who are really really unhappy and i think in terms of kind of looping it around to i was about to do that yeah (laughs) we do in student opportunities and what we what we're going to see i think the effects of the pandemic are going to carry on for a number of years even through the fact that the students that are starting to go to university have lived through this really awful, challenging experience that ha- has shaped their life, whether you like it or not. My dad always said, like, never let the negative experiences of your life shape you. And I agree with that to some extent, but then also like really counter that and going like, how can you turn the negative experiences of your life into something that you learn from and something that challenges you and shapes you? in a good way and but I think for lots of kind of school age people who are then going through the rest of their lives and then kind of going to university or college and accessing things like student opportunities they've had such a hard time now it's going to affect them forever they're going to be like the kids that when they're grand when they're their grandparents and they're like oh they're going to be going well i live through a global pandemic so you haven't got it that hard in the same way that like (laughs) our grandparents said about the wars (laughs) i mean it's more it's my parents my parents born during the second world war so yeah (laughs) but yes the same thing um it's it it is it's it is i think there's gonna be a massive boost uh, like i say leaving it background i think there's gonna be a massive boost in um, uptake of student societies my camera not liking me um i think there's gonna be a massive uptake because i think it's going to be the case that people need something that's outside of what they've lived for the past years but like i say a level students have had to live in complete uncertainty and just having to actually put in more effort than likely was needed or they or any of us would have done i mean i don't, I don't fucking pay attention for my own levels um well, like i was such a geek <laughs> Not the being I, geeks a bad thing. Up the geeks. I no, I, I mean I was a nerd, but I I was um I I'd been homeless at um at least once at that point. So yeah, I I had other things of just going. You know what? I don't really care. Um, but so yeah, I, I mean I think they've put in so much more work, and so when they hit university, I think one there's going to be the, the same issues there always is. The first year there's going to be dropouts, um, and and that's going to be. I'm still unsure about whether it's going to be higher or lower because part of me thinks it'll be higher because there's so much more stress than a lot of us. But another part of me thinks it'll be lower because they've done a lot more independent learning. And that's usually what knocks people out. Resilience that a lot of students haven't had before. Yeah. Yeah. I worry about kind of student opportunities. And like, I hope that you're right in that more students will get involved with student opportunities. I need to. But I worry that because 
most of them have lived pretty solitary lives for the past couple of years well for at least the past year it'll be about a year and a half by the time most kind of students start university degrees for example Mm. have they got that kind of confidence to walk into a room at a society meeting and have they like like I found it weird the first time like I went to uh we went to friends houses at the weekend and we were you know we're allowed to hug now these are our like best family friends Mm. and I put off doing a hug because I was a bit like oh god oh like I really want to give you a hug but it feels so alien now and so I worry about like the that the students who are starting degrees in September, for example, have missed out on a whole year. Like remember back to when you were 17, 18 and the experiences you were having and the personal relationships you were having and the connections you were making with people and you were learning so much about yourself and they've done so much of that alone or with their family and in the confines of the family, which for some young people is really unhelpful and for some, it might just be a bit restrictive, a bit like, you know, you don't get that same freedom that you could have had if you're like, oh, yeah, I'm going out. Yeah, I'll be back later. That kind of stuff can't happen. Yeah. So I worry that that will affect their ability to to feel like they're able to make connections and that they're able to just kind of lightheartedly socialise because they just haven't been able to. Yeah, I mean, possibly. I mean, my, my way of thinking is similar to what I said earlier, which is I think societies actually allow those that might have anxiety issues to come out a little bit more because um for instance if i I think about certain times when um there were i mean i'm i'm basically just a moody bastard so i was more than happy in lectures when they when the lecturer was wrong which does happen guys you're allowed to correct them if they're wrong you Mm -hmm. are um and i would i would be the one that would be like no no i i know you're wrong so i'm just gonna say it um, but most people in there, even if they knew the person was wrong, wouldn't correct it. Whereas I think a society allows you to not necessarily say whether someone's right or wrong, but it allows you to be involved without having to be involved. Like you, you might have the committee and you might be able to um, interact a bit, but you might just turn up to watch, which a lot of societies um, allow. You know, self-defense and well-being society, we did that with, with student minds, which is tea and toast. You just turn up, have a cup of tea, get some toast chat you know so i think societies allow a lot more for students who haven't really been able to live a life that they would have done normally mm-hmm. and i think a lot of it will come down to also how many um how much uptake there is in university accommodation um because i think it's when students are allowed to be away from their parents that they're more likely to interact as well but i do think it's going to be i think for a lot of students they are just going to be you know what i need to get the fuck out of here obviously you know, not for the ones that were then locked into a fucking building. Thanks, government. Um, but uh, but obviously, you know, being away from parents for a lot of people. I mean, I have a weird relationship with my family because I was ho- um, homeless 15. So I, I moved out home. So I never had my rebellious bit. But a lot of people now have had their rebellious bit and then been stuck there. So I think I think we'll find a lot of uptake in society to people just going, oh, thank fuck, I can get out of the house. I can get away from them. I can actually do something I enjoy. Yeah, like, I think we might have more dance and singing, for instance. Sorry. Yeah, it's about trying different stuff, isn't it? That's yeah. one of the like the beautiful things about student opportunities is you can go, yeah, I've never done ultimate frisbee. I'll give it a go. Or, hmm, what's the model United Nations? That's like, <laughs> oh, debating about European politics. That sounds interesting. I'll give that a go. Like 
and then you've got like the kind of really more like niche stuff in there too and there's like there's wine tasting societies and there's dj societies and there's different volunteering opportunities so there's so much out there and the whole like design of it is if the thing that you want to do isn't there then start it yeah and i'm hoping that students kind of will relish the opportunity to get involved with these things because they haven't been able to and then it won't be like a forgotten part of the university and kind of student experience it won't be like oh well, we didn't have that last year and I, so i don't really know what's cracking with that so i won't get involved which i think will happen for some but i hope that's not the majority of cases no i mean so i mean for, for myself for instance um even about um, starting something new it could just be that they slot in somewhere else i personally despite my interactions over the years with um various societies i've never started a society I've taken on societies or I've saved societies. I've never personally started one. I've been part of one that was started, but I didn't start it. It was just, it was self-defense society was started and they needed an instructor. I wasn't a student at the time. I was just, a, I was, it was one of the few years where I wasn't studying. So <laughs> I was like, yeah, okay, I'm fine. I'll come and instruct. Um, but I've never actively opened one. So I think um, for a lot of students, it will be the case if they can just kind of slot in and then maybe, things will change around them and the way they've done things what might happen um and obviously it will um, then come back to you and then you've learned more is that the uh the whole model of certain societies that have never changed will just completely change and mold around these new ideas because there'll be ideas that none of us would have come up with like we, we just wouldn't have done i mean i didn't know for instance twitch i didn't know twitch existed until midway through last year and i'm now doing that most of the time and I, i'm relatively well known but i didn't know it existed uh and now that's something that i that i do and i think all it takes is a little spark from one or two people that are coming up which i i this is the jesus this is one of the few times where i have more faith than the guest jesus um i have a little bit more faith that i think that will happen that we'll get because even if nothing else i think it will mean that things change that then bring other people in because it takes is one person to have an out there idea that works um for then it to bring in other people from that kind of thing up you know because there may be stuff that you know if somebody like me i mean i i will have ideas i am oh god this is depressing but i'm old enough to be the parents of those going to university <laughs> i'm yeah. literally old enough to be their father so my ideas about how to run things yes i have had interaction with younger people through twitch through being in societies and things like that but the same ideas just aren't going to be there. Um, there were always going to be new ideas as every generation comes up. But the, the one thing that's even more now is that that inbuilt resilience that you said about is going to change societies a lot. So I think I think there's going to be a boom, but I think it's going to be a boom that in, in a way that maybe some of us don't see how it's going to happen. It's just going kind to of, there's going to be something that's just kind of it, it, it starts to um, be those, uh, you know, those little seeds that are planted that just start to blossom everywhere and some of us just haven't seen how or why it was going to happen you know yeah. it, it, they just come out of nowhere so my job over the next few months and the job of mostly students unions is to try and create the environment for those seeds to blossom mm. <laughs> like, without being too cheesy like to try and go let, let's try and move as much as possible that could be a problem so that the students can come forward with their ideas and their new approaches and their 
kind of cool things and their ways of solving problems and their volunteering ideas and their social action projects let's kind of make the space and the environment for those to succeed that's our job that's that's how what i help student unions to do every day and that's what student unions do in their student opportunities provision so i hope that we i hope that you're right and i hope that we get lots of excellent cool new interesting things coming forward um i think i don't think it's going to happen yeah. in september though um for one big reason as i've heard because it's not just the local university it's several apparently now when i was at university the first time this wasn't the case and i really hate it but um elections have taken place for a lot of university uh, university societies and a lot of them are doing their by-elections in july one no one gives a shit in july um, and two, there are no new students. So you have societies that may be incredibly popular next year. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, if you have mental health societies, for instance, next year, they probably all want to be part of it because of the shit show they've just been through. They really want to do it. But they, those societies may disappear because of the fact that you're not you're doing it in July rather than next year. Because this stupid idea that, oh, yeah, but they couldn't run a society because of, no, they, they fucking exist in college. Colleges have societies. So, you know, I was student union president of my college. So I did have an idea. I was involved in national politics before I went to university. But it's we still have that very old way of thinking, which I think is what's going to change. But I think not this September because of that, because I think some societies will disappear. Uh, but then the year after, I think they're going to be created again. And those kids, kids, oh dear. But those that are coming into university, those are the ones that are then going to go, right, let's boost it. So I think 2000, what, 2022 into 23, I think is the year when we see the massive boost. This September, I think we're still fighting old ideas and um, we're fighting against what people actually want. But I think the boost is going to come there. And like you say, it's, it's kind of your job to make sure that student unions, not only that they, they can help students, but also that they get out of their own fucking way. Because student unions have a massive um, ability to trip over their own feet all the time. Um, and it, it's not that difficult to move out of the way. But the problem is, is that if you've been looking in the mirror for so long and the mirror is showing you a long corridor, you keep walking into it. Um, the problem is we need to just turn them around and walk the other fucking way because that's where the corridor is. And I think a lot of them haven't noticed that yet. Um, so that is something that is obviously needs to do. And that's kind of where you're coming from as well. Um, I think we've kind of gone around the houses and gone to some really random places as well. But was there anything that you wanted to kind of add or to kind of give an idea of hope or anything like that to anybody that's listening? Because I'm hoping students are going to be the ones listening. But is there anything that you wanted to kind of add that we haven't been over or, or I've, I've shut you down because I know I can speak over people accidentally, anyone listening? Um, but I mean, please go for it. <laughs> right. A message of hope for the end. I had uh, well, just anything. Just had to do one of these. Well, I didn't have to. My my secondary school asked me to do a little, they get kind of contact alumni. They send us all around Robin every so often and go, does anyone want to do a talk for our sixth formers about like your life and your career? And I love doing that kind of thing because I loved it when I was a student, like when I was a sixth former. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I will. And I had to do this. And the last thing was like, can you leave them with a message of hope? And I, I was like, oh my God, no pressure. Um, it was all about like, university and what it's like and what you should do to make the most out of it and the message of hope I gave them there is to like follow the stuff that lights you up that makes you passionate and I think that's what in uh 
in the work that I do, that's where the most I see the most joy and the most reward comes back to me is where you see people being able to do stuff that really lights them up and that helps them connect with other people and helps them to make the difference they want to make. There's a real uh, misunderstanding about why students volunteer and get involved in stuff and organize societies and stuff. And the misunderstanding is is quite cynical that they do that because they want CV fodder and they want stuff to be able to talk about on job applications. Mm. And one, most of them aren't great at talking about it on job applications anyway. And that's kind of a whole other podcast. <laughs> um, but two, it's just not true. And there's more research that shows that students do student opportunities because they want to make a difference, they want to help people and they want to pursue a passion. Mm. So I think the kind of the the like the message around like sort of mental health and student opportunities is that like don't feel like you're sort of pigeonholed into stuff you've done before like you don't have to do that like get involved in stuff that interests you but also try stuff that's new and if it lights you up if it makes you excited and interested then pursue it and follow it and hopefully the environment that you're in will help you to do that and university and college is a really good place to fail and like I'm sure both you and I have hundreds of examples of where we failed but you've like learned from it and had a good experience from it but yeah. as you have said kind of so eloquently when you were talking about your own personal experiences the kind of connections that you get with other people are absolutely invaluable from a mental health perspective and there's absolutely nothing worse than feeling lonely and you have and that you don't think anybody kind of cares or there's nobody close to you to help you come out from that hole. So I think, but I think one of the things that we know is that getting involved in student opportunities and volunteering and societies and student groups can be really helpful. So I urge anybody listening to have a go. And then if the first thing you try is rubbish or doesn't connect for you, or the people aren't your people, then just try something else, like, because that's the beauty of it. You can do as much or as little of it as you want. So try something else and you will find something that sticks for you and you will find something that lights you up. So that's my kind of big, big message, really. Yeah. Yes. And you, you, you could find them anywhere, guys. It's, it won't necessarily be think something you've necessarily even thought about doing before. Mm -hmm. um, it may be something you've had a passion for for ages, but it might be something you're going to go, what? Uh, where did this come from and, yeah. and as you say failure absolutely uh, i've said this to people in the past so i was a tournament fighter um, in martial arts and i will say to anybody that goes into a dojo if you ask your um, instructor if they've ever lost a fight and their response is no leave the dojo because they're fucking lying um, failure is what helps to mold us and go forward it is not something that holds us back so do remember that when you're going forward just because you didn't and this counts for gcc's no levels just because you get a c rather than a b it doesn't fucking matter it is a good thing if anything it, it feels like you... it matters at the time but it feels like it matters at the time um yes and i'm well aware that i always sound like an old folk and it's like oh well you don't know the problems of the youth because it's what i usually get back but you know that seen it so many times and you can make yourself so much better out of the failures rather than any successes if someone always succeeds and you succeed right until you're you know you're 50 and then something fails you have no idea what to do. If you fail every day until you're 24 and then stuff starts to go right, you're prepared for when it goes wrong or there's a blip. So you carry on succeeding from there. There's a different way of looking at it. 
Um, Baz Luhrmann had a thing from the um, thing sunscreen of um, about, you know, people not knowing what to do and failing is it's like um, most 18 year olds uh, don't know what to do with their lives, but most some of the most interesting 40 year olds still don't. So yeah, yeah. if something goes, you have to step back, you have to change things. It doesn't matter. So oh, anyway, I 10 out of 10 don't know what I'm doing with my life. And it's the <laughs> outside. it definitely looks like I do, but I, I do not. It's winging it and following the stuff that lights me up. That's, that's been my life forever. So, and I have a whole lot of privilege that's helped me to do that as the person I am, but yeah, yeah. It's, um, but I'm 32 and I definitely don't have a plan and I definitely don't have like, yeah, that, you know, that kind of whole, what's your five-year plan? Oh, who knows? And thank goodness, because we've all had our plans skewed by the last year. So, <laughs> And sometimes your plans from when you're a kid aren't necessarily what you want to do. I had three no. main things I wanted to do. If we don't if we don't class Rockstar, I had three things I wanted to do when I was a kid, which was accountant, um, politician, and, um, and teacher. Yes, I was a boring fucker. I have done teaching. I still tutor. I got actually pissed off with other teachers. Um, lecturing is something I might want to go into. That's that's somewhat different. Politician. I was an elected politician. I then got irritated with other politicians that were around me who wouldn't do their fucking jobs. So <laughs> I backed from that. So I may, again, pursue that in the future, but it's not necessarily where I'm going to go. When I was younger, that was it. That is what I'm doing. It just doesn't work like that. It, it's You can find so much, as we say, about societies and, um, and opportunities to come up. There may be a different path that you haven't even thought of yet. Well... So, Oh, just you haven't explored being an accountant. Just <laughs> FYI, that's clearly the career route that you're missing. Uh, yeah, clearly. I mean, <laughs> uh, Jesus, as if I couldn't get much more boring. Uh, apologies to any accountants out, out there. Um, but, uh, but I know some accountants as well. They're lovely people, but Jesus. Um, Nikki at Christchurch, I'm sorry. Um, I worked in the business school um, for what for some point at the university. So I know some accountants as well. But, you know, they're lovely. But, you know. There are accountants, lovely, but I'm, I mean, I'm glad I don't do her job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, thank you very much, Rosie. Uh, we have another Rosie joining us two weeks time from Safe in Our World. Um, I'm only saying that because I don't know that many people called Rosie and then I'm, I'm doing a podcast right. with like two, two Rosies within like two weeks. It's, it's cool. Um, but yeah, thank you. Thank you very much for joining me, um, Rosie. And I'm sure it's going to be um, very interesting, especially for, for people that may be coming up from the A-levels or in their first year of university, something like that. Um, mm. And thank you everyone who's listened to this or watched this. And uh, we will see you next time. Thanks, everyone.